Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rainy Rundown. Just as a heads up to everyone, there will be profanity used in this podcast. This is season two. Sorry I'm a bit late to get started. I had a lot of schoolwork and stuff I had to deal with, but I'm so happy to be starting the second season. I'm glad that y'all are here to join me on this ride. And to start off season two, I have a very special guest. He's one of my special buddies, best friends. Met him in the first year. Grady Meta, I believe. It is Grady Meta. Um, I always had a little bit of trouble with that one. Sometimes I mispronounce it, but I'm glad I got it right. So welcome to the podcast, brother. Well, thank you for the invite. Really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be part of uh, the famous Rainy Rundown. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, lots of my friends have been part of this and I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I couldn't wait for an invite. So here yeah, you go. I'm glad I got it around. Sorry I'm a bit yeah, late. Yeah, yeah. No worries. So it's going to follow the same format generally as the first season. I am going to switch it up to try and make it a little bit more interesting. So I've added a, a lightning round aspect. So that's going to count as one topic itself where I'm just going to fire off a bunch of different cool things. And it's going to be quick lightning. That's why it's called lightning round. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have short talking bits about it instead of like a whole five to ten minute conversation. So that's at the end. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's just start off with a little bit about yourself, buddy. So wow, I'll let you tell the to the listeners for sure for sure i'm uh, i'm currently well my name is grady fun fact if you read my name it's spelled very weirdly uh they messed it up when i was born um i moved here around three years ago did a semester of high school here i'm currently studying business management majoring in economics and management science it was midterm season so it was very busy but i'm overall enjoying the program and i'm very happy that i chose it yeah, you just won um, an award recently, didn't you? Can you tell me about it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I got two awards. One was for the... Thank, I'm very thankful for the first one. It was the highest GPA in second year for economics. Oh, wow. I, I've been working hard because, as you know, I am an international student. I do pay international fees. And these awards are what helped me go through school and pay for those daily daily expenses. That's great. And the second one was for achievements in uh, entrepreneurship endeavors. And uh, that's that. I, I, I don't consider myself to be the biggest riskiest entrepreneur but uh, i've done things here and there that have pushed uh, my financial stability a little higher and also helped me pay for those daily expenses that i was talking about yeah good for you international fees they're almost double basically aren't they domestic uh, especially now with a new doug ford uh, reform where he well first of all cut off uh, osap he also mm-hmm. reduced uh, tuition fees by 10 percent for domestic students and all of that 10 percent decrease went to went into a 10 percent increase for international students so it doesn't so, help you that much it does so not you're help. looking at all these awards and scholarships definitely i i fully am i am i'm I mean, constantly applying for those and you do try hard i uh I can give you that much. Sometimes I ask to hang out, and I know that you're studying, so just not always available. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying I'm glad you try hard, and it shows. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your background so the audience knows? For for sure, for sure. I, well, I come from this little Eastern European part of the South uh, country. It's a small country, only 3 million people living on it, basically the size of Toronto. Uh, it's north of Greece, east of Italy, so that gives you an idea of what beaches we have, what kind of food You're we have, nice. what culture and what music we have. So I really enjoy the roots where I come from, but I always say to people who ask me, why did you move from there to here? That part of Europe is certainly a good part to go and visit. It's not the best part to live in and make a living out of it. So if you have a month off, I fully suggest it. Albania is a cheap version of Greece, like everything's the same beaches, same nature, just 50% cheaper. But it is challenging, yeah. therefore, to like make a living out of it. Yeah, you showed me uh, one, like a tourism Albania video a while ago, and it just showed me like all of Albania and the pretty things. It looked great. 
So it's definitely like a good budget destination is what you're telling me. Good thing about it is that within a two-hour drive, you can reach from the top of the mountain, which is 3,000 meters up in the air, to the beautiful Adriatic and uh, Ion Seas, which have the blue, blue crystal water and the, and the rocky sand and the rocky wow. beaches. So. Yeah, Persian Detia to all my oh Albanian my friends listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I hope that you can recruit some of your uh, um, fellow countrymen and women to uh, listen to this. So Persian Detia to you all and, uh, you know, Karim Peel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I will not be sending this to my dad, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh, let's get right into it then. So first topic we're going to talk about. Now, I don't know if you kept up with it. I know you've been a busy man. And this is regards to your own home country of Albania. This is basically, there's a protest going with the government, right? Have you, have you heard about this at all or kept I, on along with it? I have, and it's, it's only because I, I oh, because of my side hustle back in Albania, my, my side business. Yeah. I keep up with my mom in regards to like pol- political movements, financial differences, like what's happening day to day. So one of the topics of conversations in our phone calls day to day has been uh, what's been happening with, with politics back there. Sure. I'll give our listeners a quick rundown so they know what we're talking about. So basically, there's protests against the Albanian government. And just recently, this past Sunday, I read an article um, from uh, various acclaimed news sources that um, there was, they turned a little bit violent. And some protesters began throwing firecrackers and other things when they're doing like speeches outside the government buildings. This whole thing that's going on is that the prime minister, this is the current prime minister, right? How do you pronounce his name? Eddie Rama. So there's allegations against him that um, he has links to organized crime and he's corrupt. Now, I'm not going to say anything because nothing's been proven, but that's basically what these people are protesting against, right? For sure. Yeah. From, from what I told you before, uh, once again, it is a great country to visit and it's not a great country to live in just yeah. because of these, once again, allegedly corrupt governments. Uh, and you can see this in mostly uh, government uh, funds that they're giving out and uh, subsidized that they're giving out. They're literally giving money to their own people, to people that they know of, to people that they were university friends with. Yeah. Uh, if a new road needs to be fixed, they give money to the people that they know of and half of that money gets stolen throughout the throughout the process. Hmm. So it's these things that make the Albanian people stand up and make them want to leave their own country for the sake of literally having money to eat and to live in Albania because these funds are going we don't know where. Yeah. So that's that's a main, main idea why people are standing up and saying, hey, we don't need no more of this. Uh, we need someone to change. We need something to change. Now, has this been a constant ongoing thing, not with just this current prime minister, but previous ones as well? Uh, I would say so. And it's mostly within the within the Eastern European post-communism countries uh, in the 90s, as you know, all the well, the Eastern world they, with East Germany, they all fell. The communism wall, wall fell. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all of these countries has been going through a transi- transition period, trying to get back into place, just because the way the socialist government worked was totally different from what the democratic current one works. Yeah. So for these 25, 30 years of transition, it's been challenging to find the right people who do the right reforms to take the country into the right pace. And it's also these political parties changing from f- every four years that make it very hard for long-term and stable plans that are for the best of the, for the, best of the country. Is that affecting, you think, Albania is, is a country in a way from, like, any tourism aspect? People are afraid to, to go. I know it's, like, not probably popular anyway for tourism because a lot of, not a lot of people know about it. But And maybe a lot of, not a lot of people would read the news about it. So would it affect anything from a tourist standpoint or if not a standpoint from the current citizens living in Albania? 
a fun fact about what you just stated. I've been all over Europe, traveled all over Europe, and I've also traveled across Canada as well. In Europe, they know us for the corrupt government that we have, and wow. they, they think badly of us because of that. But if they come into the country, they realize, oh, my God, like this is an actual safe country with nice people and welcoming people. It's just a government that does bad reforms that yeah. negatively affect the current living. But here in North America, because, as you said, uh, they don't know much about the news or they don't read all that far. When I mention Albania, most of the people are like, well, where is that? And when they look at it, I was like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. I want to come. I want to visit. Yeah. So overall, I would say in Europe, there is a misconception that it's not safe and that it negatively affects the tourism. But here in North America, people are very welcomed and like open to find more about it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess every country goes through anything. So we're, Canada's have has much um, bad shit on its own compared yeah. to the so I mean... Yeah. To each yeah. their own, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while we're on the topic of Albania, I want to specifically dive into Europe because I've been once. I wanted to go again. The amount of culture you get from each connecting country and all the countries in there, like one country to the next, the neighboring countries, so much different culture, right? Like you go from like the size of Canada, from Vancouver to like like PEI and Nova Scotia, you could have so many different cultures and countries in between, right? in Europe and the travel system's great so cheap why can't we do that here man they just charge us <laughs> out our ass here to like you want to promote Canadian tourism but it's so expensive to go anywhere I, I, I might have an explanation for it Canada being the second largest mass uh, in the world like right after Russia it only has 36 million people you know what 36 million people is that's half of the population of Italy yeah. that little boot that you look in the map that you always mention that's double the size of population of Canada wow so there's not enough demand for flights for other travel like purposes trains to go to different places of Canada that's why things are so expensive here and that I just walked sense. I was watching a video yesterday it's crazy how much money the government gives to Canadian airlines and US airlines they literally subsidize the airlines to fly to places that would it wouldn't make sense for them to fly financially just because they need to get like those 10, 15 people out of like the small cities. So so that's something. So are you basically telling me that I'm more wrong to say that Canada like doesn't promote um, its own domestic tourism that well? It's just um, like we don't have the amount of people to like be able to make it cheaper? That is true. They, Canada, they try their best to promote tourism. And as, if you, as you've seen, lots of people come from Asia to visit Vancouver mostly, but also the rest of Canada. Yeah. It's just as a size, the widespread of it makes it very hard. Going back to Europe, as you were asking, once again, it's very easy for us to go around just because of the history. There's been a, there's been big cities in Europe since like before Christ. There's been Rome, there's been Paris, there's been multiple, Athens, the ancient Greece. And all of these have made it possible for other communities to form around them and that's how Europe grew as a continent and different countries formed and now uh, not longer than last year I was able to literally take a weekend trip to Austria just because my cousin and I decided to do so and I would say that it's generally much much easier to travel across Europe than it's in Canada and North America in general and I believe it is an experience to travel around Europe and I believe someone was would certainly must do it throughout their lifetime it's just that uh, we should remember that Europe in general, once again, not to have that misconception, it looks beautiful, it looks, it looks cultural, and it is cultural. It is much longer, it has much more attractions to visit, yeah. but it is harder to make a living out of it compared to North America. 
exception are countries such as Switzerland, which are like financial uh, desires, Luxembourg, Monaco, like those countries are an exception. But the yeah. majority of Europe, it's hard to make a living out of it. And once again, like Germany has been getting up on his feet and like it's one of the most powerful countries in, in, in the world right now. The UK as well has like one of the lowest unemployment rates going down to 3%. Yeah. But other than that, Spain, 19% unemployment rate. Greece literally went bankrupt nine years ago, like the famous Greece that we know of. So Albania, all the Eastern European countries that go through different financial struggles. Like it is a hard world to live in. It is a very beautiful world to travel in. Yeah. Wow, you're a stat machine. Is this all you learn? You learning this in class? Yeah. Well, mostly not really. I just like follow European involvements because short term I want to stay here in Canada and get what I'm investing. But long term, I would possibly would want to move back to Europe, if not Albania, some other yeah. country. So that's why I'm trying to establish connections here with companies that have bases in London, UK, or like yeah. in Switzerland. Like, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I always told um people when the subjects come on hand that i want to move to europe and live there eventually don't know where okay. don't know when there's so many places you could go to there's literally so but, many places uh, that's definitely my plan for the future sometime so when uh you going back home for christmas or when's the next time you're visiting albania i am traveling back uh december 16th i am very excited i'm meeting some of my friends that i haven't seen in three years because they moved wow. for school as well as i told you before lots of albanians um move outside of Albania for education. And that has given me an opportunity that I've, every time I go back home, I make a long layover in one of the European cities, such as Rome or Netherlands or like Amsterdam or Paris. And I stay for free and I visit the country and I have fun. That's fantastic. So we're just meeting back together this Christmas. We're going on a ski trip. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun time. Can't wait. Indeed. Okay. Can't wait to meet my little brother as well. <laughs> yeah, you have anything you want to say to, uh, to your little bro? To dua, to dua. <laughs> that means I love you in Albanian. Now, next, we're going to bring it back here um, to Toronto, specifically Ryerson. Well, there's lots to talk about. You yourself, you've been an RA. This is your second year. Um, we're both in third year, so you became an RA right after first year. Yeah. How do you like it, man? Do you like well, well, it's good. It's good just to talk about a little bit of my background as an RA. First year, I was uh, a community president, a floor president, whatever it's called. And uh, also, a fun fact... I won because Alex Rainey, my co-worker here, voted 20 times for me. And he wasn't allowed to. Yeah, but no he basically one. made sure you won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those forms you can submit as many times as you want. And you just went for it. And I really appreciate it. Did anyone else run against you? There was a girl who ran, yeah. Poor yeah, girl. Yeah, no, no. I think, yeah, she would have won. I think you were a clear favorite. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, um, you, you were. So um, you live... So you live in one of the residences, home on Jarvis, just recently built last year, right? It was his first year? That's that's a that's a new residence, and it is a posh, if that's the word to use. Yeah. It is a very high-class uh, residence. It looks very nice. It is very nice. Uh, we literally have dishwashers. To whoever who's listening, like, ask your parents if you have a dishwasher in residence. Is it even called a residence? <laughs> But wow. uh, but uh, it's it's a great place to live in, study space. I live in floor 24, haven't changed my room for two years now. Nice view. So it, it is a nice view every morning I wake up to. Uh, so I'm, I'm overall happy. I support around 60 students. 
along with my co-RA, uh, academically, professionally, and uh, interpersonally as well. Uh, we have one-on-ones, we throw events, we have weekly meetings. It's overall a great experience to make some lifelong friends, but also have a support system that is always there for you, not only the students, but also the staff that are, are there to answer all of your questions. So uh, it's great yeah. overall. And then also from a financial standpoint, it's, it's really good, right? Because you save a lot of money on the cost of living. You for sure do. Which, it. That's also probably a big, nice reason. For sure, for sure. It is, uh, well, it basically covers the, the rent, but... Uh, I have a lot of people who ask me, like, can I get into this job for, for the money? And I'm like, if if you do that, you will literally drop out of uni just because it can get so overwhelming if you don't yeah. go with the right mindset. It's so important to separate. And this is for every job. It's not for this job. But to separate that personal and work-life balance, like, you need to put a barrier and say, okay, this is where my life starts and this is where my work ends. And if I'm not able to do this in my current job, it would be very challenging for me to continue on. And that's because we deal with crisis management. We deal, we deal with conflict resolution. We deal with high-stress situations that if we don't put the mind to like set aside when mm -hmm. we're not working, it could literally burn us inside. So it is a good financial relief, but it is also something to keep in mind if you apply for the job that, hey, make yeah. sure to know your... your so thing. it's not for everyone. It's not just to live for, for basically free. You got to definitely have the right RA mindset to be able to thrive and enjoy enjoy yourself so you know because um one of our friends he was an RA in second year but I don't know personally if you like being an RA so that's why I stopped being an RA this year I don't think it was a money as much of a money thing I think it's just because um I don't, I don't want to say any names because I don't know if yeah. he wants me to say yeah. it yeah but it's basically what I'm trying to say is it's not just the financial. You got to be ready and motivated to be an RA and be a support system for students because first years go through a lot. Yeah, as, for as, sure. As we know, and you got to be the right type of person and deal with it. As long as you have that mindset, I wouldn't even say a right type of person. As long as you have that mindset that hey, job ends at eight, and then I'm gonna start living at eight, and like not worry about my job, then it's good. But make sure to have that like work-life balance, which is applicable, as I said before, to anything: school life balance, work-life balance. Uh, Leisure and life balance, like everything, make sure to plan your time accordingly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Now, you're a very, very active student. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot, a lot of students just show up to class, sometimes even skip it because they don't want to go. And then that's it. They just hand their stuff in last minute. They don't, like, C's get degrees, right? Very, very <laughs> popular saying. But you, you're active in, like, a lot of student groups. And tell me, what, what groups are you in? Um, just to like also reinforce what you just said, I try my best to go to class because that $30,000 a year I put in really motivates me to wake up in the morning and yeah. go to class. It's just, it's just, it's very hard on me. That's good. Right now, oh, well, to speak a bit about my background, first year I tried to get involved with some group of, in the Teraja School of Management, which is my business school. And then I, I got my foot in. And then second year, I started as a director of corporate sponsorships and also a breakthrough program associate and these roles respectively. The first one, I reached out to different sponsors in the industry to give us money for our events, for the events that we throw for the Iris and Economics Management Association. Mm -hmm. And for the second role, we threw a program, well, through 12 different events for first-year students to transition to university. And uh, this year, I, I stepped up into the Ryerson Economics Management Association role as an executive vice president. And alongside the president, we oversee a team of 22 people, and we have our biggest event coming next week, which is uh, Alumni Networking Night. 
and we're going to have around 20 alumni coming in and sharing their experiences with, with around 100 students. Nice. So it's and also I'm part of the Ryerson Students Union as a committee funding committee member, and I also volunteer with the Rogers Student Society as a breakthrough program mentor. And all of these things, I would say, even though they might sign, they might seem a little overwhelming. Also, because they are a volunteering position, I don't get paid for them. Yep. Uh, I believe that's what make my experience here at Ryerson. I like school. I like my program. But I don't know how it feel going to school and going back home and then going yeah. to school again. It's going to these things that has kept me on the loop and has kept me motivated to like study even more, to learn even more things, to get a better job next summer when my co-op starts. So overall, even though I try and like it seems like I'm a busy individual, I would say that I try to use the best out of my time and keep myself busy because if I don't, like my productivity just goes to zero and I, I don't want that for that, for the sole and only reason for paying $30,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's not a lot of students realize how important it is to get involved because you have access to it here. You don't just pay to learn here. You're also paying for the for the things that Ryerson U- University allows you to have access to and gives and, and gives you the option right so i you don't just want to use a lot of money you're paying just to like show up to class and just like try and get the bare minimum to get the degree you want to use the resources that they have available to you because that's going to help you future on when you when you graduate in life um me personally i know i haven't been um as active and i'm trying to be um like the, for my first two years so for any student that's listening to this and i'm sure grady can back me up I think it's very important to get involved. Even if you just like, he's he's very active. Even if you just do one, like use the resources available to you because you never know how it's going to help in the future. Good resume building tools and networking is so important. I probably can't stress that enough for me personally, for my program and probably for your program. You deal with a lot of people on a day-to-day basis. Like how important is networking? Uh, for this I would share my multiple oppor- like uh, examples that I had throughout my program. That's basically what my program is, networking. But yeah. I'm going to share uh, something else. Julia, our mutual friend, um, she invited me to an event that she's in graphic communication design, which works with the printing industry. And then she invited me to that event, which is down in Steam Whistle, and they offered free beer there. So I was like, oh, wait, no, I'm going to go for the beer and for some networking. But it, it is not my industry. So I was just going to go there to listen and like just head out. But as I was, I was spending time there and, and then I motivated Julia to go and speak to some networkers and make sure to get some business cards. I was like, might as well just talk to some people. And I, I literally made connections in an industry that I never see myself working in. And they said, reach out to me if you need a job for the summer or reach out to me if you have any other concerns or if you want to buy a printer or if you want to get in the business. And it's crazy how important these can get at times when you're out of school and you need a yeah. job and you don't have any connections and you're like, oh my God, what should I do? Oh, let's reach out to that person that I have the business card to. And I, I would say that, well, there, it's, it's a fact that 80% of the jobs nowadays are, are getting, are gotten through referrals. Mm-hmm. And that should solely state and explain how, how important networking events should be for students. If you see a sign that says free networking event, it's literally free money given back, like be, being given to you. So make sure to attend those and make sure not only to go to those with your friends and talk to your friends, but yeah. split with your friends at that event and talk to different people and then get back together in the end and share those experiences. So what I gather from that story, too, that you mentioned that even though if it's not necessarily your field of study, it's still important to take um, advantage of opportunities that were given to you. So, like, um, for that 
event at Steam was, so it wasn't towards really economics at all, but you still Not met people and made connections that could, you never know, be valued in the future. This might seem a little cliche, but reinforcing to what you said, uh, stepping out of your comfort zone is what makes everyone in this world succeed. It's what made all the billionaires billionaires right now. It's what makes all the professors around Ryerson be the best professors and is what makes student leaders such as you who are doing these things in their free time succeed and stand out from other peers in, in mm -hmm. the community. So thank you for doing this. And as you you're said welcome. before, you said that you haven't been much involved, but you're just doing this right now. So it's, yeah. it's a great thing that you're taking your time off Thanks. to do this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to slowly become more involved. I was, you know, to go back to your comfort zone point, I've really never ventured out of my comfort zone that much, and I realize that's a problem that I have. So I've never really gone to a lot of networking events and done a lot of things that I've been uncomfortable with. So I'm really trying to break out of that shell. It's hard. It's not easy. But I think in the long run, it's going to help me in the future. So I'm really trying to do that. For sure. Now let's move on to a little bit of school spirit. You know, we're... um. We're going to a basketball game tonight. We're going to watch it with all of our friends. That That's going to be fun. Do you keep up with I know that you keep up with sports teams. Which ones do you keep up with in particular? Uh, I am a sports player. I'm not the best sports team follower just because of yeah. all of these things that I do prevent me from spending a lot of time into watching but sports. You sometimes go watch sell, watch Ryerson sports, don't you? I go. So which ones would they be? For sure. It's the Ryerson Rams teams that we have for basketball and hockey. Those are the, those are the two main sports that I go and follow with you and yeah. our friends as well. Yeah, those those are the main two we follow. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's great because I love I play volleyball, I play soccer, I play well football, not soccer, just so you guys know from Europe. <laughs> yeah, uh, I play tennis, I play table tennis, I uh, water polo, but I don't have time to watch all of these, so I I use the best of my time to go to these sporting events that Ryerson throws and cheer for our team as well. And we do so with residents. We we try and uh, Ryerson is a commuter school, as you all know, so not many people live downtown, but with those yeah. people that live in residence, we try our best and go to these. Events to to cheer up and say yeah. Ryer what Ryer son yay <laughs> just the way this it, the school is as a commuter school you know just never achieve the amount of school spirit as other schools like Queens and Western that are all based on one campus so it's nice to see you guys trying your best to get the school spirit out there we do we do <laughs> now there's I want to talk a little bit about the current happenings that specifically relate to Ryerson so you know seen student strikes I have right, with with all this for government stuff going on i haven't really f i've been kind of a bad student i haven't followed it i haven't gone to anything um and i've kind of just let it slip aside have you um thought about it at all or looked into it uh i really support what the students are doing it doesn't affect me personally as was i as what i told before mm -hmm. uh, i don't have like osap i'm not eligible to take because i am an international student yeah but i fully support students because i believe that education I, I don't believe that education should be completely free because comparing it with Europe, they have free education there, but the resources that are available here at Ryerson are completely different than resources that are available in schools in Europe. So I yeah. believe that funds going into the university are for the better of the students. I believe that should be cheaper, and I believe there should be an option to get OSAP or financial, any financial uh, liberation when it comes to studying, yep. but not free. 
And uh, there was a student strike this past Wednesday. And I, I saw that lots of profs canceled their lecture times as well in order to support these student strikes. And I believe it's a great cause because uh, lots of students, especially in Toronto, are struggling to pay for school. And yeah. I believe that school is a necess- necessity that everyone should be able to, to attend no Indeed. matter the financial situation. And they shouldn't be stopped from factors such as I don't have money this semester to pay for school. I don't have money to buy books. I can't pay for interest fee because I can't get a job right out of school. So so I believe that the previous reforms should be set in place again. And uh, I'm fully pro. I just haven't been following them because they don't affect me personally. Yeah, and, uh, that's understandable. I do agree with everything you said. Um, I don't know if all the schools across Ontario are striking. I believe most of them are. So it's great to see students get behind that. Um, now, Ryerson has a new up-and-coming law school. I believe they're taking applications if, like, I don't know when they're due, but for this upcoming September in 2020. The deadline passed. Um, do you know anything about that? Because I don't know, like, where they're going to have the space because Ryerson's already packed as it is. Have you heard anything about our law school? I have because uh, one of the majors that we have in uh, the business management program is law and business. So a lot, I know that a lot of students that are in that major are going into uh, the law school. Mm-hmm. I know, I'm pretty sure that the deadline passed. It was November 2nd. And now that lots of people applied and the advantage that the Ryerson Law School is going to have over other schools is that we're going to have almost a 10 grand discount compared to York, which is our direct competitor. Yep. I think your school, uh, York for law school is around 35 grand and for Ryerson it's going to be around 22 grand, which is a great, and let's not even talk about UFT because it's top high <laughs> 60s or something like that. Yeah, wow. Uh, most of their class, I believe they're going to be in TRSM and they're going to be by TR- they're going to be taught by TRSM profs. But I know that it's going to have a practical component as well. So part of the part of the law school, they're going to have a mandatory, I believe, two semester law practice program, which are going to uh, which actual law professionals from downtown lawyers are going to come and uh, share actual cases with them and teach them how to treat them. So Harvey Specter is going to come in? Harvey Specter is <laughs> going to come in. And for, for you guys who don't know, Suits is actually shot in Toronto, Bay and Adelaide, and Harvey Specter is here every every time when they shoot. And hint, when the yellow taxes are in town, that means that New York is in town. It means that Harvey Specter yeah, is I've in town. Yeah, I've walked by a set. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've seen news about this, and I wanted to talk about it with you because you're a very good student. So I wanted to know your thoughts on this so ontario high schools they are banning phones from being used in the classroom obviously students won't listen they'll go on their phones yada yada whatever but i want to know your thoughts about if that concept is it even possible to apply to university like we're all adults here right on our own accord and the lecture sizes are so big so pros wouldn't even be able to control it is that even a thing that we should ever think about coming into university Coming from Albania, I'm just going to talk about the high school part first. Uh, back in Albania, we're uh, certainly not used to u- allowed to use cell phones in classes. And when I came here at first, I saw people in their high school uh, classes literally with headphones on and listening to music during the prof talking. Yeah. And I was so surprised because phones are distract distraction from the studies in any way, shape, or form. And if you have an urgent situation, keep it in your, keep it in your pocket. If it vibrates, look at it. And that's about it. That's my stand on it. No matter how good of a student I am, going into uni, I still look at my phone multiple times throughout class. And mm-hmm. I, I say this with my full heart. I hope that cell phones were banned in uni because I know that lots of students literally are wasting money coming to class for nothing yeah. and just spending time on their phone. 
it can be stopped completely because people keep notes on their laptops and they, you can still get distracted on your laptop. But you go in through your Instagram, through your Snapchat on your phone, yeah. and it's totally a waste of time. If you came to school to listen to school, you can literally use that time to study. So when you go back home, you can scroll through Instagram and not have, not have to study twice. Yeah. So I believe that uh, phones should be banned, attainable. I really doubt it, especially yeah. at this time, just because it's been so liberated up until this point. And it would just be a total major like breakdown if schools certainly like just ban cell phones like i don't once again as you said classes are so big the professors are not are not allowed but i have had one class where the professor was like if i see you on your phone and you're just scrolling in your phone i'm kicking you out of here and no one used their phone it was a law class and no one used their phone in that class that's probably the best you could do um yeah would you i don't know can you like can you actually disobey your prof in that regard or does your prof have full um, a th- blow on authority to kick a student out. Like, can a student ever say no? I I want to stay in this class. I believe I can't speak for like student conduct here at Ryerson, but I believe if they're not being a distraction for other students, they're not technically allowed to be kicked out of class. But if they are playing music or like if you can hear sound coming out of their phone, or if, like it rings once or twice, the professor is allowed to kick them out of the class because they're distracting other students around. Mm-hmm. And even if you have you're watching something on your laptop that distracts a person behind you, even if it has no sound, I know that's also a, re- a reason for for the professor to kick the student out. Mm-hmm. So you can only if you're being a distraction. I mean, what realistically, if they're on their phone anyway, they're not going to like choose to argue with the prof and try and stay in class because they've been just wasting their time anyway. Yeah. So they'll just leave. You'd be surprised. <laughs> but I do, I do agree with your points in particular. I think that students shouldn't, and I, I do this too, so I'm kind of being hypocrite. But Same. But uh, <laughs> like, you know, have time to do fun things outside of class. Use your class time. Do your homework, because if you just show up to class and don't do anything, then that's three hours of your time wasted, and then you got to do spend more time after catching up. So it's just a huge waste of time. What one of the things that I I attribute my my academic success on is that even though I use my phone, I try to minimize it as much as possible, and I try to get as much information as I can. And when I go home and I try to study, student well, Brad and like other friends that I have, they're like, oh my God, how do you get good marks without studying that much? Because I, I actually don't read that much. I'm like, I go to class and I pay attention to class. Well, I try my best to pay attention to class. Yeah. So I believe if all students tried that, you would see that school is actually not that hard. So it's not talking Agreed. about engineering or something, but... <laughs> Now, let's move on. So, I'm a huge fan, as all my friends know, of Christmas and winter. Of course you are. A huge fan. Um, If Halloween, if we had to get rid of a holiday, Halloween will be it. I'm sorry to anyone that (laughs) severely disagrees with me, but I'm solid with that stance. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this week, today, we've experienced um, zero and and below um, degree weather. We got some snow yesterday, like... Tis the freaking season, baby. Are you, uh, you like winter and Christmas or what? Uh, one of the reasons I came to Canada is because, uh, I like winter. I like cold weather in general. I love skiing. As you've seen, we've been on, a, on two ski trips already and looking for, for a third one. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Uh, I generally like it. I hate the windy conditions. So that's one thing that I can't stand. Even today in the morning, it was negative five and it was fine. But today, like right now, it was negative one. It was windy and I just couldn't stand it. It's that wind, eh? Yeah, it's that wind, man. Uh, so so I overall enjoy winter if it was without the wind. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm a huge lover of snow. Like Christmas has to be white. Yeah. It's just, it's the whole feel. And I love the snow until about February, March. Okay. But you don't get a lot of it in Toronto anyways, or if you do, it doesn't specifically stay in the downtown core just because it's a whole concrete landscape. So that's what I do miss coming from a small town where once the snow comes and stays, you get it for three months. Yeah. 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 Want to share a fun, uh, want me to share a fun story about uh, skiing? Sure. Let's do it. Um, one of our friends, I don't know if he's listening, but he for sure is honored to be mentioned in this Jacob Scapelholm. And he's been on this, um, Rainy Rondon before as well. Yep, he was my first guest. Uh, last year, we went on Blue Mountain for a ski trip. And let me remind you that all of us, like me, Rainy, uh, Kyle, Julia, Sydney, we've been skiing for a while. And Jake, he was his fourth time skiing as well. And let me tell you, he's a very good skier for a fourth time skier. He's he great. He it kept t- up with us. Yeah, it took it took me like eight years to like go to my level. It took him two years to like go to like my current level. Yeah. But there was this one tree run because Blue Mountain, as we know, doesn't have a lot of long slopes. So we had to go to the tree runs to have some fun. And there was a a big ramp going down and then it just went up and it was very icy because that time it was around negative 40 if I don't remember it right. It was absolutely freezing. Yeah, yeah. So the slopes were very icy as well. So I took it super slow, pizzaing the whole thing all the way down and I, I jumped off their ramp like slightly went like half a meter above ground and that's about it but if if you people know jacob scopelholm and he's a risk taker uh, that's Very how we, we like to call it in business and i see him up on the hill and i ask him jake and he's like what and i'm like send it and then uh, of course he's a risk taker <laughs> he is he just sends it so he goes literally he straightens straightens up his skis and he goes down, I want to say 10 meters, jumps up high the ramp and goes, tips up and falls on his left shoulder. <laughs> and I remember, I don't know if I'm supposed to mention this on uh, on the rainy round down, but I remember you peed a little bit from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, honestly, it was one of those things you had to see, but coming from my reaction and Gray's reaction, it was one of the funniest things I've ever experienced in my entire lifetime. I did, I did dribble my pants a bit, <laughs> but, uh, in my defense, it's cause I was laughing so hard. This dude literally must've forgot the concept of gravity because you literally, he was horizontal to the ground. His back was the same level as the ground was like he was lying in a bed. And it is <laughs> two meters up in the sky. Like, in the, in the line. <laughs> I wish I would have got, I had a GoPro with me. I wish I would have got video of it because it was, it was the best thing to ever happen in my life. And the buddy guy just fucking <laughs> sent it. It was fantastic. So shouts out to that guy. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks for remembering that. No worries. Now, Toronto specifically, pros and cons during the winter, buddy. I think that, you know, it's a great city, but it does have some cons. Obviously pros are like when it snows, it's beautiful. If it's if it stays and stuff, um, you know, you got the Christmas market, which is fantastic. The Christmas spirit, you know, Saks Fit, they have their fun Christmas windows they always do. There's just so many pros that come with the holiday. But, you know, cons like the TTC is not reliable. Like city shuts down if there's a big snowstorm. And uh, you have any cons that you uh, going back to pros? Black Friday is coming up. So mm. all of you big shoppers, if you want to save some money in my first year, I bought four hundred dollars a clothes for $2,000 worth of clothes. So I spend around wow. 70% right there. So I suggest everyone to go and spend their money if they want to uh, during this season. Some other con, I would guess, uh, well, I, I just, 
I wouldn't say that there's a lot of shutdowns just because downtown they clean up the snow that fast and yeah. last year we had two snow two or three snow days for the first time in like 15 years i guess it has Ryerson to be had. pretty bad it has to be pretty you bad you know what i think what makes the snow days the ice not necessarily the snow yeah yeah like freezing rain is way worse for like road conditions and like slippery conditions so they didn't tell me what freezing rain was when i came here here in canada like i i had no idea that actual ice would ice would freeze on roads yeah so it was the second day that i moved in i think i was with the homestay program and the the lady who was staying with her name is Anne. she told me hey by the way it's gonna it's gonna be freezing rain tomorrow i was like well that's like that's just hazing right like that's fine like just wear just have an umbrella with you or like wear a hat and like you're good to go yep and then they step outside in the road and it looks perfectly fine because, you know, like you can't really tell that that, that, that that's happened. So yep. I step on the road and I literally do one of the Jake moves. As I was explaining earlier, I flip up in the air and I that's fall funny. on my butt. And pretty quick when freezing rain was. Yeah, freezing rain. I just learned when freezing rain was at that. Yeah. So that that's a big con of, of the winter here in Toronto. Plus, I find like me, a lot of people experience the post-Christmas blues it could be hit at different times, whether it's right in January or February or March. But it, it's inevitable for it to hit you. Just like the period of time where you're like, okay, fuck this. You know, Christmas is over. I like the snow. But it's just really damn cold out. And I just want the summer and spring season to come on. Do you experience that at all? For sure I do, especially coming from Albania. As I previously mentioned, the weather there currently is like 20 degrees. And during the winter, it doesn't go below 5 so having a temperature of negative 20 up until late March, early April is devastating for me in yeah. a sense. I've gotten used to it because I told you I like winter in general. But the winter blues definitely hit, hit me as well. Yeah, as much as we love it, it's kind of like, even like, I find it hits me in March sometime. So for sure, well. for sure. Oh, I want to move on um, to the elections that just happened a little bit. I don't know if you've, maybe because you're not from Canada as much, you don't follow it, but just happened my aunt is very involved in it she works for the for the government of canada so i'm always when i talk to her is kind of involved in the whole conversation and uh, and uh, i think expressing your right to vote is very important i hope a lot of you students did they especially make it easy now for students to do it you know you could go to the to the rsu building right and vote it's like three places on campus where like three different places where you could vote it's the rsu building it's the ilk residence where you can vote and it's like so there's many like places. no excuse why you sh- shouldn't vote um, so just to give you a little bit, a little bit of a rundown and the people that were, uh, listening to this podcast, so that liberals have a minority government yep. from an economic standpoint, cause you're an economic student. That's For what sure. I want to talk about this. Have you talked about it in class or personally had any thoughts about how this will affect, um, the economic, um, like the economics in Canada at all? For sure. So I, I can give a quick rundown. I personally am not eligible to vote just because I'm an international student. But I, I would say that, uh, well, first of all, I am an economics student. And based on my financial standpoints and economic standpoints, it would make sense at this point in time for the conservatives to win in Canada just because the debt is going very deeply at this point. Mm-hmm. And we need a change in the budget. We need to save some money. But uh, the fact that the liberals won, again, kind of like, kind of like positively affects me just because they're more open to immigrant and have like more yeah. lenient immigrant uh, uh, features. So so that I'm guessing that helps me. The fact that it is a minority government, uh, the average time of a minority gov- government here in Canada is like one to two years. It doesn't last more than that. But because I would say uh, this 
government has actually a potential to go for longer than that just because they're currently collaborating with the NDP. Yep. And as we know, a lot of the people were expecting NDP to get much more seats, especially around Ryerson. Yes, I believe they only got 24, which isn't a lot in the e- scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, compared to the uh, B- BQ, which got much more than we thought. That yeah, Quebec get... must have had enough with the rest of Canada because the Bloc Quebecois got a lot of seats. For sure. But Do you know what way they, they kind of lean as a party if you were to say liberal or conservative? Like mm-hmm. if you had to say one? They're definitely more, more conservative than liberal, I would say. But they're also, I feel like they're probably not even interested in like forming any type of alliance or partnership because they're probably they really like to res- represent their own country that, their own province right that's true and their leader has clearly represented that and he has said that he for sure won't uh, collaborate with Trudeau that's 100% happening hmm. but going back to my point with the NDP usually it it takes a point of um, of not agreeing into a certain thing to like disform the government and I don't think the NDP has the financial standpoint at this at this moment in time to say no to the Liberals for anything they want, just because the NDP was expecting more seats and all of their sponsors were expecting more seats from the NDP, but because they didn't get as many, now if they go into a second election, election which is close by, they won't have the current funds and like the the needed funds to go and advertise themselves further across Canada. Yeah. So I believe it's not in their best interest to go to go into a next election. And that's what I think. That's why I think this this election or this current uh, my, uh, liberal government might go for further on, not, not only two to three years. I was reading an article um, prior to this podcast. And then it was I was listening to a podcast. Um, it's called Down to Business. So it's a weekly podcast from the Financial Post. And it's saying that um, there's a lot of uncertainty from an economic standpoint um, regarding, like, just in general, there's a lot of uncertainty with the liberals, right? Like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of spending and stuff. But you're also, like, they're saying that businesses are less likely to invest when the ground they're working with is uncertain, things like that. Now, I'm not an economic student, so I could be talking out my ass, but this is what the podcast was saying. <laughs> they were also mentioning about more spending, which is what you said. For sure, yeah. Um, so... If we just keep spending on spending, I guess, like, um, is that like what you think the liberals are going to do? Just keep on spending and spending? Or you think that I don't want to turn this to a politics podcast. I just For want, sure. I just yeah. want to like get your kind of opinion from an economics student. Going going to a financial standpoint, I know that the current debt that we're paying, like the debt interest that we're mm-hmm. paying yearly equals the medical expense that. Uh, Canada has and that should mean a lot for you just because Canada has a free well a free free for all uh, health system and that means that the government pays for all of these health services and imagine the government paying for 36 million people and equal that to the interest fees that we pay so if we lower our debt that money that is going into interest fees can go possibly into better advancing education or better advancing the health system so but in order for us to lower this debt it would mean that short term we'd have to cut some expenses that might decline the quality of living for like that short term time so that's basically the main difference in between liberals and conservatives the conservatives try to lower the budget so the debt goes lower so they pay less interest and therefore we have more money to spend on other things long term but then the liberals come and they need they say okay these need this people need help right now with with this thing we don't care about long term in a sense and we need to help that population currently yeah so so it is it depends on what it really depends on like what you're looking forward to and what's your current financial standpoint like who who do you support yeah. but i believe that 
as you said, there is uncertainty, especially for businesses, because the liberals might tend to uh, increase taxes for big corporations in order to like increase some money coming in the the budget mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So there's so. definitely the thing with politics from my personal standpoint is that there's like always parties that have stuff I like and stuff I don't like. It's never just one party that I'm like, I love everything that's on that platform. So you always have like the whole country like love and hate. It doesn't matter who's in who's in parliament. Like there's always lovers and haters so it's just going to be a constant circle of like people i'm glad the conservatives in or i hate that the conservatives are in like vice same thing with the liberals so we're just always going to see that it's just the way it is for sure you're going to have trade-offs here and there you can't really do about them yeah but uh i believe that this this rotation is keeping canada on a good track and i believe that the more long-term plans we establish the better it is for the country and uh, with the whole immigration uh, standpoint, I believe that even if the conservatives would win, Canada, with its current advancement, is still looking at more at around 200,000 people coming in every year to maintain its current growth. Yeah. So immigration will only grow, grow from that standpoint. So I, I don't believe it's an issue for me as an immigrant, as someone who doesn't yeah. have their passport, to be getting an, you know, like a citizenship further down mm -hmm. the road. Well, I've always been told to never talk about politics at the dinner table, so I decided to talk about it in a podcast <laughs> instead. <laughs> So now we're going into the last round, everybody. I'm glad that you stayed with us this long. It's been a great podcast. And basically, I'm going to fire off at a, at a couple of things at you and just see where this conversation takes us. There's no goal this conversation, just to fire off a bunch of quick little things that I think people will be interested in about. So first one, Toronto Wolfpack, our rugby team. You know much about them? I don't. So basically, very recent rugby team within the past couple of years. Super cool. They just signed this huge rugby guy called Sonny Bill Williams. Basically, like a best thing I can compare it to is a Kawhi like signing for the Toronto Pack. Okay. This guy's a legend. Um, New Zealand All Blacks. They're like the best rugby team in the world. Okay. You've heard about him, right? I have. I've seen Yeah, so he played for them. He just retired to them. He signed a two year, nine mil deal for the Wolf Pack. The reason why they brought in this big guy is because the Wolf Pack this past year won the current league they were in. Okay. So now they move into a new league called the Super League, the Rugby Super League, which is transatlantic. So that's in Europe, specifically the UK. Okay. And th with that, they become the first transatlantic professional sports team. So for people that don't understand what that means, it's basically um, transatlantic. So oh, first sports team to, to play over in a professional setting from North America to a professional setting across the Atlantic in the Europe. So that's basically really cool that Toronto became the first like the Wolfpack, right? now, It's not very known. It's a recent thing. Like, You think that's great for Toronto? Uh, I believe that is great for Toronto and Canada in general. Uh, this going back to the Raptors uh, winning the, the championship last year, it gave yep. Toronto such a big shout-out internationally, but not only also down in the state. They know that we can actually win championships now. Yeah. And... Uh, I believe that this was give like this will give Canada a boost not only in the North American setting but also in a transatlantic setting as you said. It's going to be really great to be able to like if you're a rugby fan now you can just go to Toronto and watch top tier football because they're all coming here. We go over there to play right, and then they'll come to the Wolfpacks Arena to play. So if you're a rugby fan, you're going to watch top notch rugby for sure. And I and I I was surprised when I first moved here because I didn't know that rugby was so big here. But there are actually a lot of fans, especially in Ryerson, yeah. that follow rugby in general as a sport. And with the topic of Toronto sports, you know, we've we've had a great, like the city's been doing great um, from the previous years. So, like the Raptors, as you see, um, 
the the Blue Jays in like 2015, 2016, they were they were really hype. You know, even this year, the Toronto FC in the past, they've been to the championships the past three out of four years. Like Toronto's just slowly becoming a dominant city, and uh, there, I believe Toronto must be playing this upcoming weekend. I think in the MLS finals. Aren't we proud of Toronto? We've been we've Indeed. been achieving so many things uh, internationally as well. So yep. I'm glad to be living in the city. Time to move on, because I guess the goal of this is to be quick. So next thing is Amber Alerts. I got one last night. Did you get it last night? I did. I got two. Basically, yeah. I, I think they're great. There's a lot of um, negative, people being negative about it, right? They're like, oh, I ruined my sleep. Like, shut up. You know, if it was your kid or if you don't have children, if it was someone that you loved, you, you'd want, like, an Amber Alert to be set out. I am, I am fully for the police finding these people who call in complaints regarding Amber Alerts just because that, once again, when people aren't thinking about themselves, they get very naive and they're like, oh my God, this woke me up. But if, it, yep. if, if you think about it just for a second, just for a quick second, what if this was your little brother? What if this was your kid? What would you do? You would really hope that this would wake up every single person in the country so they would all look for them. And it's been... It's. I believe it's been working in every in every single setting. It's been happening in the past couple of months. It has been tested. Mm-hmm. All the people have been found. Everyone has been good. So I believe it's working. It's functioning. People are getting, like, are yeah. being found alive. So I think it's the a worst case. I think one of them, they they were found dead. But that's not the Ambler's fault. It's yeah. still the idea behind. It. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like in Brampton around uh, yeah, before before school ended. Yeah, but so um, and we're moving on to Joker. I know you haven't seen it, but I really wanted to mention this because I saw a stat today. I read an article saying that it was the most profitable comic book movie ever made. It only had a only had a budget of sixty two point five million, and it's so far generated just north of one billion, which is freaking crazy. I believe that should be the highest uh, number over number, like uh, earning over expense yeah. ratio, just because I know the top notch movies such as Avatar or uh, uh, Avengers have budgets going north of 200, $200 million. Yeah. And this one having only $60 million budget, it's crazy how it went over $1 billion. That shows that I'm a film student myself. So that shows as long as it takes great directing, writing, and actors, not doesn't all have to be like the biggest A listers ever. You get the right people for the right job, and you can create a, a freaking amazing movie. Like I watched it, and it was fucking phenomenal. Um, and obviously, it's all personal how you receive it, but the acting was incredible, and I loved how dark and depressing the story was. There, there's not enough films like that that are actually true to like people's lives that relate to humans' lives. A lot of this have fairy tale endings, which we all like, but I liked how dark and depressing it was. I. I, I heard from fellow fellow friends that I was told that this movie talks about mental health in general, and it actually brings a good point on how we should put an emphasis on it and how important it is. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's one of the only mainstream movies out there that brings mental health as, as a main issue. And another fun fact that I just thought of at the moment, that this movie had a budget of $62 million. I think Robert Downey Jr. was paid... 55 million dollars just for avengers holy so that's that brings to the standpoint how like how much he got paid and yeah it's literally one of the actors so they did a great job with that much money yeah yeah i mean endgame was still great i'm an iron man fan for life yeah so glad my boy got paid there yeah um (laughs) you got a favorite avengers i don't i don't Hmm. i don't i like them all just enough because they all save each other man they all save each other (laughs) i liked i liked thanos as a villain too he was cool Okay. All right, moving on. Now, Drake, got to talk about our homeboy. 
Toronto man, great rapper. Now he has moved into the cannabis industry. Now he's um, it's called More Life Growth Coach. It's funny. One of his albums is called More Life, and and I mean it's just become legal, obviously in 2018, was it? Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah it was 2018. It was. Uh, so he's he's a little late, but nevertheless, moving into it, he has like a big stake. He I think he owns quite a bit of the company that it's going into. I think he owns more than 50%. And you think that's smart, you know, because you got to think eventually, I mean, he's going to bring in so much money, but eventually he's going to stop rapping. So you got to think about other things you got to invest in and other business opportunities you can do. So you think that's smart? It is for sure smart to diversify your your portfolio in general. And this is also from a financial standpoint. Uh, One other thing that all the listeners might not be very interested on, the especially the cannabis uh, platform in general is very volatile at this moment. So it's mm-hmm. going up and down. So it's not steady at all. It is considered a risky investment to, pu- to put money into cannabis. Uh, I believe that Drake going into it, uh, it's good just because of the fame he has and the, yep. the major people that follow him uh, also do what he does. So if he promotes that culture, people will buy his stock, people will buy his company, people will invest in that company compared to other companies such as Canopy and other uh, cannabis growth companies. Yep. Uh, when it comes to whether cannabis was was a good choice to be legalized here in Canada, I believe it, it sure was just because people were smoking already quite enough. Indeed. And uh, just having it uh, regularized by the government and making sure that it's good and it's safe and people aren't dying from it, it's a good choice. And making sure to keep it away from uh, younger people, such as 16, 17-year-old high schoolers, which it might negatively affect their, their brain growth, mm-hmm. it's also a good choice. So I believe that they made a good job and a good decision to legalize it in general. Great. Well, everybody, that is the end of the podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. It was great. Grady, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for the invite. Do um, you have anything you want to say to any of your friends? Uh, you have a warm winter, and please... Uh, I'll, I'll, all of my friends, Albanian Independence Day is coming by November 28th. So mm-hmm. if you send me a message, I'll remember you for life. Great. You got anything <laughs> Albanian to say to your Albanian friends? Uh, I'm not going to explain what this is. Whoever whoever want to learn it, just look it up. Yep. Uh, Gray's been teaching me a bit in great language, trying to learn it. It's pretty hard. Great learner. You are. Any, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been great. Grady, thank you. This is your host, Alex. You know, to follow me, it's getting rainy on everything. What's your social media so they could give you a follow? It's Grady Meta. It's going to be a little hard, but shoot Rainy a message to ask for my spelling. No, his name's going to be in the title, so it's fine. Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) We got to finish this up because we got some beer to drink, a game to watch. For sure. Can't wait. All right. Peace, everybody. Take care.